is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Welcome to another week and a very big week on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It is Monday, and we still don't know who the hell the Winnipeg Jets are playing in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. However, we will know tonight. At some point, who knows, if they want to go to four or five OTs, maybe it'll be in the wee hours of the morning. But tonight is game seven between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Tomorrow on this program, we will know who the Jets' opponent is for Wednesday night's Game 7 and whether that game is happening in Toronto or right here in Winnipeg. Um, We've got a big show today to talk a lot about Game 7 and the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will go to Toronto. Dave McCarthy will wield his staff into Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll get the feeling around the GTA after the Leafs' overtime loss in Game number 6. And the latest on Toronto. And then we'll head to Montreal. And our good friend Mo Khan from TSN 690 will join us for the latest on the Hab side of things. And of course, with both of those individuals, we'll get to what we saw in the uh, other series, which began this weekend. The Bruins up on the Islanders, one nothing, And the Vegas Golden Knights and Tampa Bay Lightning taking one nothing leads in their series. I'm going to bring in Michael Remus in just a minute. Big thanks to our... Family of sponsors, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, back live racing tonight. We'll get to our picks a little bit later on. Breezy Bend Country Club, Coolback Canada, Aikens Lake, and our newest sponsor, Policy Me and PolicyMe.com. We'll tell you about them in just a few minutes. First, let's bring in Michael Remus to get things going on the program. Remo, how was the weekend, dude? A uh, couple days off. It had been a while for us. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, had a couple days. Didn't have any, um, you know, Jets games to get my heart rate going. Although I did enjoy the Saturday night Leafs Habs, of course. That was awesome. No Saturday nights uh, coming up for the second round series. I guess the TV networks don't have as much pull as we thought they did. But uh, yeah, good weekend. I cleaned my barbecue yesterday. Um, I can't have anyone over, you know, to barbecue for them. But I can always uh, enjoy it uh, alone with my family. Nice, nice. What was the, uh, the the cleaning process? Had you done that before? Did you look it up online and figure out how you were supposed to do? Did you use oil for it? What was the technique? Not um, not on this barbecue. I never cleaned. We got it in September. This is the first time. Needed a cleaning. I used like a scraper and scrape off all the gunk. Soaked it in some water. Uh, I have I don't know. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and and read about it. So. Um, well, I mean, what else am I going to do? So I was outside and cleaned the barbecue. It took a while. It was fun, though. You know, between, gross. This, between this entire operation and the barbecuing, I'm giving you the magna cum laude University of YouTube award for this year. There's mm-hmm. been a lot, of, uh, a lot of YouTube university learning going on right now, and uh, oh, it Sean, seems to be working well. Sean Liska says, don't ruin the seasoning. Uh-oh. That's for the barbecue. <laughs> That's a barbecue term. I know about that. Um I may have ruined it. We'll see. I got to test it out. May, may need a reseason. Um, yeah, for me, a very slow, slow weekend. Not much going on. Not much uh, able to do. Uh, I will say the beavers around my place were working hard. I've got a great video. I'm actually meant to pop out that I didn't get. I, I will put that on my Instagram story at oh. some point. You can follow me on Twitter at or, and Instagram at Hustlerama. Um, yeah, a couple trips to the vendor. Watched a lot of hockey. Watched some baseball. 
Watch the Jays blow it in the seventh last night, uh, yesterday. Chatwood unable to throw even one single strike. Uh, but oh. overall, it was uh, it was a pretty good weekend. The weather's getting nicer. And I tweeted this out, Reem, just before we get into all the hockey talk. Um, can you believe the forecast for this week? You want to talk playoff weather? We're looking at 32 in Winnipeg on what? Wednesday and Friday, 37 degrees. Well, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people were, were you know camping on the weekend. We got a number of tweets about their setups on outside TVs. I love that. I love people tweeting or tweeting me multiple TV setups. I get really excited when someone's got like <laughs> multiple TVs for as watching as many games. That's like a dream. But also moving a TV outside in the summer to watch playoff hockey. Um, that is fantastic. So I love seeing. Keep those coming. Um, you know, Mabel puts together some compilation uh, or something like that. But uh, everyone's getting out there, you know, camping, staying safe, and uh, bringing the TV outside. Yeah, you, uh, you you know it. There were some great ones. I think Mikey Go Jets Go was uh, sent us a tweet that he was listening to the pod in the truck on the way out to the lake, and yes. he got set up and uh, fire up that TV outside. I, I'd love to learn how to do that. I you know I'd go to. Like, you know, sometimes go to football games, tailgate parties, and you wonder how in the world are they jigging up these TVs to be working in the parking lot and never really figured it out, but probably should at some point, especially considering, uh, you know, in the past, we just go to a sports bar and watch the game or yeah. get ready for it. That That's not happening right now. So you got to be resourceful. And that uh, sounds like many of our listeners were. Yeah. Hey, um, wh- one thing I looked up actually recently, which would be good, if you go on Amazon, um, you can buy a TV tripod. Where you just like put your TV on a tripod, so you know, saw some guy put it on a bench. You don't even need a bench; you can just put it wherever you want. So I actually thought about getting one of those for my home setup, like I put my monitor on a tripod. But that's perfect for camping or whatever if you need to take your TV with you. Well, in, in my new spot, I mean, I've got a pretty nice balcony, uh, and I think I may get one of those TV tripods, stick a tube when I need outside, and just crank a long cord and uh, watch outside. So that'll be a project. We'll see if I can actually succeed in that project going forward. Bottom line is, though, there's a lot of reason to figure out how to jimmy up a good TV setup because we are about to dive into round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs with the Winnipeg Jets taking on either the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, and Remo, there is so much um, surrounding this game tonight. Uh, first of all, incredible to see fans back in the building, even though it was just 2,500. What a difference that crowd made on Saturday night. And in a game that, to be honest, the Habs probably didn't deserve to win, it only takes one shot in OT. And despite the Leafs completely tilting the rink for the majority of overtime, it was Jesperi Kakaniemi going in. And uh, after being in the press box to begin the series, he becomes the overtime hero, and the pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs going into tonight is absolutely massive. Yeah, what a game it uh, was. It looked like you know Montreal was going to win. Uh, Toronto, you know, excellent effort in third of the comeback, but uh, couldn't get it done in overtime yet again. And we had joked about the price of tickets. I think some of them were like fourteen hundred was the get in price. I'm. This is going to be a ridiculous statement, but I think those people actually got their money's worth. Uh, what an experience it must have been being in an NHL playoff game. Now, would I pay that much out of my own money? 
I mean, probably not, but if you're going to, at least you got a game where your team won in overtime, and yeah, the ice definitely tilted in Toronto's favor in overtime. Montreal couldn't really generate anything, but all you need is one shot, and uh, Konami came down, ripped it, and went over uh, went over Campbell in the back of the net, and here we are, counting down for Game 7, and we had joked before, I mean, how many, or I guess everyone was tweeting at us, I guess we won't have too many Leafs fans uh, in chat today, because last week... We, you know, it was all, all week, it was Leaf fans chirping the Jets saying, oh, you know, we're going to take you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, after the OT loss on uh, Friday, sorry, was it, sorry, the game, whatever it is, the game six, was that Thursday? Uh, Friday, no one was in here, no, no Leaf fans, maybe one. And today, I haven't seen too many to start the show. Listen, everybody's welcome, but yeah, I think the Leaf fans are just quietly sitting, nervous, waiting for puck drop tonight, and if they win, they'll be back. If they lose, we will not hear from them again until at some point next season. Um, A shout-out to everyone that's with us live here coming out of the weekend. Great to see you. Kayla Hofer has a question at WinnipegSports.com. Guys, will the show continue if the Jets get kicked from the playoffs? Well, absolutely. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We're... uh, I mean, at some point, we may take a day off or something like that or switch it up at some point in the summer. But uh, no, Caleb, this is our new home. This is where we do it every day. And whether you're joining us live on YouTube as you are right now or if you're busy during the day, uh, each and every weekday, 3.30-ish, you'll have the fresh content cranked out from the that day's show for you to chew on on your ride home getting ready for all the action in the evening yeah. so um yeah no we're not uh we're, we actually added more shows over the past couple of weeks on days we wouldn't normally do it and you know we'll see what the schedule's like as we get into this next series ream but yeah i mean listen when the series is over we'll still have the playoffs to talk about we've got the cfl season coming up a huge off season for the national hockey league as well as what's up with the gold the, eyes, a lot of other things on the locals, uh, local scene. So, uh, I mean, right now we're really dominated by all things Jets because of the excitement around the hockey club. Um, but trust us, we'll be here um, hitting on all the important sports stories for Winnipeg sports fans, Manitoba sports fans, and the big stories around the world of sports on a daily basis here. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to have to change the routine. You make sure you're here with us on a daily basis, either on YouTube or on podcast, and your boys will have you covered. Yeah, and the NHL offseason is going to come quick. I think the draft lottery is Wednesday. We're going to have the expansion draft coming up like quickly after the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the NHL draft, free agency, which is on a Wednesday this week and not on Canada Day. Thank you, uh, NHL, for uh, not scheduling it on, on a weekend anymore or a holiday. But also, I guess since we're you know permanently on YouTube, we do get paid in likes now. So uh, if you're not, if you haven't yet, hit that uh, like get button. Paid in su- likes. <laughs> subscribe to the channel. Yeah, I need likes. Uh, you know, on all platforms to uh, feed my family here. So well, you, and you know what? Hey, <laughs> speaking of feeding the family and whatnot, um, this is actually a nice little segue <laughs> because um, we've got a, a new sponsor to welcome on board, mm-hmm. and um, this is exciting for us in that you know we've dealt with mostly. Um, you know, the, the family of sponsors that we have, um, you know, are mostly local companies that, you know, have sort of been with us, um, you know, right out of what happened with TSN um, and believed in the idea and have come on and have really given us the the, the foundation to begin this. Um, but today, for the first time, we have got a very exciting new client. We are so happy to have Policy Me on board with us. And, you know, Policy Me is a Canadian company which makes life insurance affordable, quick, and easier than ever before. 
Listen, life insurance is not the the sexiest purchase. Um, that's probably something that you know we've all pushed off a little bit. And part of it is it can be a real pain in the ass to get to meetings. Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable. You don't know what you need. And you also don't know whether you're getting the best rate. Policy Me is going to take care of all of that for you in the simplest, quickest, and easiest way possible. Um, you know, what you're going to want to do is go to policyme.com. Um, you'll be able to get in there, answer a few questions, and get a quote um, you know, quicker than it takes to listen to this podcast. And Policy Me, as opposed to many of its competitors, puts together the best rates, averaging roughly 10 to 20% lower than other insurers in Canada. You'll get an instant decision and find out if you're approved for cover- coverage almost instantly instead of waiting for weeks like other companies. And it's a simple, online, easy, straightforward process. What you're going to want to do, folks, is get to policyme.com. It's a great user-friendly site. You can get in there, get a quote, and um, hopefully save some money, save some time, and do what you need to do. Protect yourself, your family, and your belongings for the future. Once again, policyme.com. And when you go there, do us a favor. When they ask you how you found out about Policy Me, make sure you click on podcast. Welcome aboard, Policy Me policyme.com with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I also want to thank our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ. I don't know if everyone's seen the forecast coming up this week, but I'll tell you, it is most definitely blizzard weather. And considering we're looking at mid to high 30s coming up at the end of the week, it's probably DQ cake weather as well. Why don't you order one in advance and do it via Instagram at DQ Manitoba or pop by any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs, Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, or St. Anne's, um, there is simply no better summertime treat than the Blizzard. Obviously, they've got so many other great things, including those amazing Ultimate Grill Burgers that I love so much. Um, big thanks to Nick and Nikki. I have a feeling it's going to be a very big, busy week for our friends at DQ. Um, but again, cakes, get on them via Instagram at DQ Manitoba, and you can order those in advance. And I'll tell you what, uh, if you're a golfer right now, I know we can't golf in the groups that we normally like to, but um, Breezy was still busy. Lots of singles, lots of households getting out there. You're going to want to be getting a couple extra waters in the bag, I think, with the weather that we've got coming up this year. Uh, But Breezy, man, this weather is going to just take it to another level in gorgeous shape right now. Although we can't use it as we normally will with the current health restrictions, we certainly will be doing it soon. And if you're thinking about a great home for golf next year, make sure... Uh, to go to breezybend.ca or find out about that waiting list to get on and uh, join um, the club that we've been playing for years. And just absolutely love every minute of being out at Breezy Bend and can't wait to spend some time on that beautiful patio as well after some rounds as things get restricted to find them online, breezybend.ca. And big congratulations to Jason Kokrak. Another win on the PGA Tour this week. Uh, we'll have more from Breezy and golf as we get ready for the Memorial a little bit later on this week. All right, as I mentioned, we've got Dave McCarthy coming up in just a few minutes. Um, But Remo, we're really going to focus on Game 7, so I'll kind of couch that conversation for a couple minutes before Dave and Mo come on with us. Um, But let's talk about yesterday's action in the National Hockey League. Um, An absolute thrashing of the Vegas Golden Knights by the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, I thought that this would be a great series. I thought that it would be quite a close series. And I can tell you that based on what we saw last night between Vegas and Colorado, um, you know, maybe it was the seven games that Vegas went to get through the Minnesota Wild, but 
This looked like an absolute mismatch. And to be honest, Vegas was embarrassed last night by the Avalanche. And many would say Ryan Reeves embarrassed his team as well with his match penalty at the end of the game that gave Colorado a nine-minute power play. And, um, you know, it really sort of set the tone going forward. And, of course, he's got a hearing right now and probably won't be part of this series, at least for the next few games. Yeah, yeah. Credit to number nine, Evander Kane, joking on Twitter that they shouldn't suspend him. They should make him uh, play 20 minutes of ice time in a game for Vegas, which uh, I think <laughs> I think a lot of people got a good laugh of that one. <laughs> so Kane with a couple zingers. Um, yeah, that I mean, Colorado, you could tell that they swept the Blues and Vegas just played a grueling seven-game series. They went with Robin Leonard to start when I think when you're switching goalies in the playoffs, I don't think that's a recipe for success. But again, I'm just a guy here on YouTube. I'm not an NHL coach, so maybe DeBoer knows something. But I think if it was Leonard or Fleury, I mean, Colorado looks uh, like a powerhouse right now. People are saying they've the best team in a while. Nathan McKinnon on what was it, like later in the game on one of those goals just blew by everyone. Looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Um, they're so talented. Their defense, Kale McCarr, uh, great Sam Gerrard, uh, Ryan Graves making an impact as well. Um, this is a, I mean, their top line among the best in the league. Watch out for Colorado. So if you're the winner of the Jets and the Leafs, I mean, or the Jets and, uh, sorry, Leafs or Habs, I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup going up against uh, against the Avs. And uh, I think we thought, you know, that was going to be like a seven game, you know, could be the Stanley Cup Vegas not looking <laughs> great. And they kind of, you know, once the hit, um, there was that big hit, uh, I forget who it was. Was it uh, Janmark got rocked and then yeah. everything just went, they just started like going nuts. Like Pacioretty, uh, you know, had the, what was it, double minor with the reverse, quote unquote, reverse hit. <laughs> where I, th- I guess he thought a guy was going to hit him, and he's like, hey, I'm going to hit you first in the head with my shoulder. So we'll see how Vegas responds. I'm expecting them to bounce back. But Colorado looking primed uh, to waltz into the cup final. Yeah. Um, you know, I think DeBoer actually did the right thing in that in that Fleury had played so much, um, and I think that they were going to get Laner in at some point. And I think, to be honest, he probably had a bad feeling about that game. So to maybe allow Marc-Andre Fleury to not be a part of a, well, a game like we saw yesterday may have been him playing the the, the long play, if you will, for the series. Uh, but make no mistake about it, Marc-Andre Fleury will be back in the, for game for game two. Ryan Reeves will not be back in, although <laughs> many would say that's just fine if you're hoping the Vegas Golden Knights win the series um, and they'll move on. And then, of course, yesterday, Tampa Bay with um, you know a really tight game, Carolina ties the game on the power play early in the third period. You got a one-one game that looks like it could be destined for overtime, and I mean a goal that just simply can't happen gets allowed in by Ned, and um, you know big win for Tampa getting home ice back in that series, beating Carolina in the uh, game one of their second round series. Um, and of course Boston rolled. The New York Islanders in the third period, big 4-2 win on Saturday night. They're back at it tonight in game two of their series. But everyone ready for game seven tonight. Leafs, Habs, will head to Montreal a little bit later on with Mo Khan from TSN 690. But let's right now head out to the center of the universe. Um, albeit, you know, this is maybe the most scenic spot in such a big city. Somehow we go to the uh, the woods <laughs> of the staff master himself, Dave McCarthy, 
Look at this beautiful background you've got right now. Are you a, like a zookeeper in the offside? You're just taking a quick time out in your beautiful botanic garden for us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Dave? Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a zookeeper, though we have uh, varying degrees of uh, wildlife patrolling the yard. In fact, I, I did my Boy Scout deed for the day on Saturday, Hustler. I noticed... There, well, I was down in the basement and I heard like this like ticking, rustling against the wall. I thought someone was on the side like doing God knows what. And it kept coming and it kept happening. I'm like, what is this? So I go to the window, open the blinds to like look up, see if I can see some. And what do I see is a little baby blue jay staring right in the window. And I knew they had a nest out on the side. So my reaction was, oh, no, the damn thing fell in. And this comes on the heels of having a skunk fall into the window well back in January. Less of a pleasant um, occurrence. So anyway, I crawled down into the window well, uh, retrieved the baby blue. No, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) For those listening on the podcast, we're getting this beautiful background of David. And uh, the phone phone just took took a spill. But he's still there. No, he's not there. We had- um, good. Um, <laughs> duct tape is only good when it's sticky. You know? <laughs> um, so just to finish the story, retrieve the Blue Jay, uh, put it out, tweeted out the picture. Um, and I was happy to report that on Sunday morning. I saw him back with mom and dad. So I did my Boy Scout good deed for the day. Now, for people that are watching us on the podcast or listening on the pod, they won't see the background, but as I said, Dave looks like he is in the jungle. Um, wh- like, are you in like in the city of Toronto, or are you like, yeah, in yeah. cottage country, two hours no, outside, no, no. just working remotely? Because this is no, this no, does I'm not about... look like a city of six million people. Yeah, no, no, I'm in uh, Tobacco. I'm about uh, twenty five minutes away from the ACC or the Scotiabank Arena right now. Um, what's the vibe around there and in the GTA right now after the Leafs lost on Saturday? Um, you, you talk, of course, you did the show yesterday on Sirius XM with the Sunday brunch. Um, Dave, what are you hearing from everybody right now? Because, uh, it does seem, oh, I think we lost Dave. We'll just pick him back up. I mean, um, from everyone that I've talked to in and around Toronto right now, Leaf fans or Leaf fans, you know, from outside of Toronto, uh, the nerves, the nerves are frayed. The nerves are are very, very frayed right now going in tonight. I mean, there's so much scar tissue in this fan base after the playoff disappointments that they have had in the past that, you know, you can't help but think people are on edge going into tonight's game. Uh, we've got Dave back now. Dave, fill us in on the, the vibe around Leafs Nation going into a do-or-die game set. Yeah, tonight. it's uh, it's panic. There's not a lot of uh, confidence. I'll put it that way hustler in in people believing that Toronto will find a way to get this done I think for for just cause right this team hasn't given uh, anybody much reason to believe in it if you want to look back to to previous years the losses to Boston in game seven uh, the loss to Columbus in the playoff round uh, in the bubble last year and then and then this year here being up three games to one on um, on the Montreal Canadiens and seemingly in uh, really good shape and then coming out in games five and six in the first period and, and utterly being, without question, the second-best team on the ice, having Mitch Marner admit as much on, uh, it would have been Saturday after game six, that they were not ready to play, which was really concerning to hear. Like, I like the ownership, but I don't like the fact that you have to say that. Um, so there's not a lot of uh, confidence right now uh, that, that they'll get it done. And at this point... 
I think that's fair. And I think it's now incumbent on the team to have to prove otherwise before they get the blind faith back. Anybody under more pressure tonight than Austin Matthews? I have seen uh, him, some jokers on social media, plopping his mug on the side of milk cartons over the course of the weekend. Um, It's not like he has been invisible, but he certainly hasn't been that dominating player that really ran the show for the Maple Leafs through the entire 56-game season. What's up with 34? Yeah, the only other person I'd put in that conversation is is Mitch Marner because I don't think Matthews has been uh, anywhere near his best in this series. I thought he was pretty good in games two and three. But other than that, no, I agree. He has not uh, not been up to where he was. But Marner in the entire series, to me, has not commanded the play the way he did during the regular season. So I think it's incumbent now um, on both of those guys to find a way to get it done at the, the biggest time of year because... Um, this goes back to, again, a number of years as well individually for these two guys. They weren't very good against Columbus. Uh, Matthews was a bit better the second uh, go-around against Boston. The first time around, he wasn't very good. Um, so, you know, if they want to write their legacies, it's not necessarily about personal accomplishments in the regular year. It's where do you take your team in the, uh, the playoffs. And uh, right now, I think the, uh, the depth has been there for Toronto. Jason Spetz has been really, really good. Uh, Alex Kerfoot's been really, really good when Tavares has gone down. Uh, William Nylander, I think, has been Toronto's best player. I wouldn't call him depth, more secondary scoring, but he's been there. Um, you can't point to a game where you're like, yep, game such and such. That was the Austin Matthews-Mitch Marner show. Um, and until those guys get dancing again the way they were in the regular season, Toronto's going to have a hard time. Like All of the parts of the car are working for Toronto right now, except for their Hemi engines, so to speak, which are so far, by and large, been stuck in first gear. Um, and that's a big issue because when you spend $22 million on two players in a salary cap world, you better be having production from those guys because it's unrealistic to think that the uh, – the rank and file are going to make up for, you know, guys that have that much opportunity and that much playing time. Um, And of course the power play too, Dave, is there a bigger mystery in the league right now? Why the Leafs can't score on the power play? It certainly does seem, we'll get to Keith in a second, but there has been a level of stubbornness with the team, you know, going through the results that they have over the past. And we're not talking about a few games. I mean, this has been a period of a few months um, yeah. and they still have Marner in that one spot. They don't seem to respect that shot very much. Um, what do you make of the power play, and is there a chance that they might change things up with their season on the line tonight? Well, we haven't seen any indication that they'll change anything at this point based on uh, anything they've done in practice. Uh, so if they do, it'll be to pull a rabbit out of a hat in the game and maybe catch Montreal off guard. Um, to me, it's not really that much of a surprise at this point because they're not trying anything new. Um, as you pointed out, the only option they really tend to, to go to is Austin Matthews shooting from the top of the circle. Nobody respects Mitch Marner's shot. Nobody respects Morgan Riley's shot on uh, the power play. They don't really have a net front option right now. So um, the only option that you have to respect is Austin Matthews, and clearly teams are trying to make somebody else beat them, and nobody is. So if I was Sheldon Keith, what I would do, people I know have been going out at Joe Thornton a lot and say, well, this guy needs to get taken off the power play and William Nylander needs to get put on I agree with Nylander but I would not take Joe off the power play I'd take Mitch Marner off so that um, you have Nylander on one circle Matthews on the other and then at least then you've got two guys on their one-timer sides whose shots you have to respect 
Um, so you may have to zero in on Nylander. It may give Matthews a little bit more room. You may have to zero in on Matthews. may give Nylander a little bit more room. Marner's out there as a disher right now. Somebody else can pass Matthews the puck um, and, and see if maybe Marner on a different unit um, can, uh, can, can add a level of threat to, to the secondary. Dave, Dave uh, what, but, about, what about having Marner down low? I mean, like, he seems to be the best distributor of the puck that they have. Uh, it just seems strange that they've had him in a predominantly shooting position for a guy that has not scored a power play goal at any point this season. Um, you know, I would think that moving Nylander in would make sense, but, you know, is, is the power play not have room for the skills that Marner has, but what he does best, which is not being a finisher, it's being a distributor to players yeah. like Nylander or Matthews. Yeah, that would be an option as well, to maybe have Marner work from from beneath the uh, the goal line. Um, and, and then at that point, maybe you could take uh, Thornton off because um, he's kind of been in that role, though they never really seem to get him the puck either. So it's like he's just a guy out there that's not really accomplishing anything. Um, Joe can dish, so I don't know why they don't try to, to work from down low. But if you want to go down that route, I could totally see that being a legit option uh, to try to have Marner work from beneath the goal line. But I think you got to get another shooter up higher in the zone on the other side to take some of the pressure off Matthews um, and make teams have to respect what's going on uh, on the other side of the rink. And at this point, they there's just no need to. So I think teams have caught on. And, and that's why Toronto's continuing to have no success whatsoever on power play. What'd you hear from Sheldon Keefe after the game? And how is the head coach keeping things together going into tonight with the uh, with all of the pressure of the hockey world on the guys wearing blue and white? Well, I think he's trying to minimize the pressure, and that's the right call. The last thing you want to do is make it uh, make it more um, of a an elephant in the room than it already is, and I'm sure the, the mind of a lot of the guys. Uh, he's professed confidence. Um, they should still have confidence. They finished first in the regular season for a reason. They're a good hockey team. Um, but they, they've just got to show up with a level of urgency in their game. And to me, that just that depends on, on what type of a mood you show up to, uh, to the rink in, um, decide that, you know what, I'm going to take over this game off the opening draw. I'm not going to dip my toe in the water. I'm not going to see how things play out. Um, and I'm not going to put myself in a position where we're going to have to fight back late in the game as they have in, in, in games five and six. That's what I really want to see out of this Leafs team because you got to give the Habs credit. That's what they've done in games five and six. They've dictated the tempo of play. And they've taken control of the game. They've played physical. Uh, they've gotten in the face of, of the Leafs. They've forced turnovers. And, and they've had success because of it. I haven't seen um, enough of that from Toronto early in the game. And I think it's high time that the Leafs show that in the first period. Don't wait until your backs are up against the wall and it might be too late. Let's see that third period team in the first period. And if they do, uh, we've seen already in this series that they have been able to steer games home when in the lead uh, down the stretch of the third period. But with, uh, with opportunities to dispatch the Montreal Canadiens, they haven't put themselves in that position. Dave McCarthy with us from NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Radio. If you're not already a regular listener of the Sunday Brunch on Sirius with Dave, uh, make that a part of your Sunday schedule. Dave, I don't think it's an understatement to say that this is one of the most pressure-filled first-round situations we've seen any team be in in a long, long time. 
let me ask you this. I mean, what do you feel is at stake tonight for this team, this group, this organization, and what happens if they blow it? It's a really good question because this would be the fifth year of this iteration of the group where they will have come up woefully short in the playoffs, right? Like not even winning a round. And um, at this point, that's really concerning because then you start to have to ask the questions, okay, well, our core is still young, um, but this is not just a year or two or even three. This is now five years. Is this a core that can ultimately win in the playoffs, or does it need to be tinkered with to some extent? And, and it would be weird, really, to go down that route because this is not like Pittsburgh where you're like, okay, of course, get a little bit older. Uh, maybe this is an indication that our winning window has come to an end. The Leafs still should be well within their winning window, and I think they are. Uh, but they, they also have to start to take some steps, and that would begin with winning a playoff round. Um, so then you look at the core and you say, well, what moves can they, they legitimately make? Well, John Tavares isn't going anywhere. He has a no-movement clause. He controls all the chips in terms of uh, what happens there. You're not trading Austin Matthews. Let's not get carried away. Uh, William Nylander has been really good, I think, in this playoff series. I think he's been their best player. I think he's, he's contributed substantially to the success that they have had in this series. So um, do you trade him? Because suddenly, man, if he plays like this in the playoffs, that contract at just shy of seven is a real bargain. Okay, Mitch Marner. Yeah, but the guy's led your team in scoring for, what, three, four years in a row? Like, he's just been dynamic during the regular year. He's only 22, 23 years of age. Do you, do you cash your chips on him right now? It would be a really difficult move to make. Um, and I would be inclined to say, no, you don't. Um, because you look at other teams, you look at Washington, it took them a long, long time to, to finally push through with the Ovechkins and the Backstroms and the Kuznetsovs, um, you know, and, and the John Carlsons, those type of guys. They were around a long time. So um, what I will say is I think, I think Dubis, Kyle Dubas is free of, of blame. I think he's made all the moves that he needs to make, put the team in position to succeed. I think if they lose, it will be on the players uh, who will have woefully underperformed, and I think they'll have to own a lot of the blame and then worry about uh, reputation reparation, so to speak, in terms of how they can bounce back next year. I don't think you make a move where you start to blow up the core because I just think that is maybe still a year or two away, a year or two early from going down that route quite yet. Dave, um and, you know, again, this is probably difficult for anybody to really answer. But, you know, we've talked about the pressure. And we've talked about the noise. Um, is this team mentally strong enough to avoid all of that, to forget about all of that and come out with their season on the line and play the way they can play, uh, you know, play up to the level that I think is expected of most people that have watched them win this division in the regular season? Well, I mean, they do have more of a veteran presence this year than they have in the past. And that was one of the, the shortcomings of this team. And, and one of the criticisms was that when things got dicey, they didn't have any experience that they could turn to and rely on. Uh, they've really strengthened in that regard this year, bringing in Joe Thornton, bringing in Wayne Simmons, bringing in TJ Brody, who I think has been really good in this series on D, uh, bringing in Zach Bogosian. So if if they come up short again, it's like, Okay, well then what's the reason, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure those guys are stepping up. 
and uh, saying what needs to be said in the room at the right time, then you come back to the core and it'll be really telling. Again, if, if they don't show up to, to the level that they need to, it goes back to that question that I said Kyle Dubas is going to have to start asking himself is, is can this core ultimately push through and be one that you can win with? Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. If they don't, uh, what you suggested, uh, Huss, is that th- those questions will start to get asked uh, louder um, and, and with more conviction because, again, that won't be a small sample size now of, of, of not getting it done in the playoffs. That's five years. Um, and, and they will lost, they lose, giving up a three games to one uh, series uh, lead against a team that, let's be honest, is, is far less talented than this Maple Leafs team. Uh, that will be uh, that'll be a pretty difficult uh, pill to swallow for this Toronto organization and and the fan base at large. Now, Dave, we're going to focus in on the Habs side of things with Mo Khan in just a few minutes out in Montreal. But um, let me ask you, what has impressed you uh, from the Canadians? I mean, we know Carey Price has been up to the challenge. Uh, we've seen some of the young guys that were in the press box to begin the series make an impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what has stood out to you about Montreal's ability just to stay in this series? Well, Yasperi Kokinemi's been pretty good, eh? After he couldn't get in the lineup in game one. Um, and he was good in the bubble last year as well. So, you know, that's another encouraging sign for Montreal where you got a young player that who at times during the regular season struggled to find his way, but at playoff time uh, seems to be able to raise his game a little bit. I'd much rather take a guy that brings it at this time of the year than is, you know, one of those points warriors during the regular season when, okay, that's nice, but... You know, what are you going to do for me when the uh, the chips are on the line? So that's encouraging to see uh, for Montreal. But I think just by and large, an understanding, uh, especially later in the series, of how they have to play. They're not going to wheel up and down the ice. They're not going to beat the Leafs that way. They've won games five and six by, by really exacting uh, their uh, sort of, I guess, um, tone of play on the game early on with their physicality, uh, with the way they've pressured Toronto. Um, Corey Perry, I think, has been really effective in this series uh, for checking effectively. Um, and, and that's what, to a man, by and large, this Habs team has, uh, has done. And, and the Leafs have, have struggled to, um, I guess, counter it, especially early in games five and six. So I think just an understanding of how they need to play in order to have success has been impressive to me because the, this Montreal team could really have rolled over and, and fold the tent up after uh, games four when they went down three to one. Like it could have easily been, oh, well, look. I mean, a lot of people in this city here, Hustler, were, were, were counting their chickens before they were hatched and saying, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> the Leafs have got this one. Let's look ahead to Winnipeg. Oh, trust me, trust me, Dave. We saw it loud and clear because um, mid last week, um, half of our chat was Leaf fans. Yeah. Trash talking all the Jet fans about what's to come. And, you know, many of them said, well, hold your horses. Why don't you finish the series first? And needless to say, uh, Friday, Monday, uh, hasn't haven't had as much blue and white um, talking Jets. I think they're more worried about the uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Speaking of the Jets, what do you make of their situation right now? I mean, it has now been a week since they've played. I think they probably had more practice time in the past week than they had in the last two months of the season. How big yeah. of a benefit do you think this is to Winnipeg, considering that they'll have a full week off, really nine days, I guess, from when they last played to when they dropped the puck, and will be going against a team that just went through a seven-game meat grinder? 
Well, it's always the age-old rest this time of the year, or is it the type of situation where when you run up against a team that's been in their groove and kept firing, it's day on, day off, day on, day off, will you be able to get it fired back up in time? I was concerned about that when it had to do with the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Um, and let's put it this way, the team that had rest certainly looked like the more effective group in game one of that series. So I think what I would say is... I, Practice time is good, uh, but probably the ability to get guys healed up and, and have some of those bumps and bruises wear off, probably a benefit for, for that Winnipeg team as well. Get Nikolai Ehlers back up to 100% or as close to it coming off injury. Uh, get you know Blake Wheeler was in some discomfort, we'll put it that way, at the end of the, uh, the series there. Get him <laughs> feeling good again because <laughs> uh, they need him to be good to, in order to go on a run here. So I think it, it probably, I don't know if it benefits any one team, but I think it's good for Winnipeg to get a little bit of rest and practice time in. Um, I, I don't think it's a hindrance at this time because, man, it, you'd be able to fire it up. You know what's on the line. Um, and I'd rather be a little bit more rested than uh, than ached and bruised at this point in the year. So it's probably a good thing for Winnipeg. Hey, just moving off of the North in Game 7 tonight and the upcoming Round 2 featuring the Winnipeg Jets and the winner of tonight's game for a minute. Um you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I can't imagine a more dominating Game 1 performance than they had yesterday. And um, not only did it seem like they really took it to the Vegas Golden Knights, but um, the Vegas Golden Knights had no answers. And unfortunately, what their answer was, was some Bush League stuff that ended up with a match penalty, a nine-minute power play, and a, a visit to the office of the commissioner, Gary Bettman, and NHL player safety. Um, what did you make of the game as well as what happened in the third period? Well, what I make of that game is that um, if I was to try to find a flaw in this Avalanche team right now, I cannot find one. I mean, they've been just about as perfect a team as, as you can be through, I guess it'll be, what is this, their fifth game now of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, they are that good. They're top line. We talked about Marner and Matthews not getting it done. Wow, that has not been an issue for the Hemi engines over in uh, Colorado, right? McKinnon, Branson, and Landeskog, my word. Uh, did you see, like, it looked like McKinnon had been shot out of a cannon. I forget oh. which goal it was because they had so many last night. But the way he just, he, he cut back in the neutral zone and laid waste to the, the defenseman, that burst of speed, it was like, it was like he got uh, the mushroom power in Mario Kart because it was just like, holy cow. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the, the big boys are rolling. Uh, they're getting depth from down the lineup. They're D, I mean, Kale McCarr. Sam Girard, whoever you want to look at, is getting it done on the back end, and their goaltending has been strong. So I, I can't find a fault for this Avalanche team. I think the uh, the Knights will push back to an extent because coming into the year, and I think coming into the playoffs, reasonably so, they were looked at as a, a cup contender. But what I'm wondering now is if um, the Avs might be even better than we really thought they were because, man, oh, man, do they look good. Uh, as for what happened in the third period, yeah, I mean, Ryan Reeves, I, you know, he, I don't need the shot on the back of Grubauer's head. I mean, it wasn't the most egregious thing. It was just greasy. didn't need that. And then the throwing down of, of Ryan Graves, it, it almost, to me, reminded the Tom Wilson or Temi Panarin situation at the end of the season, except in this case, it looked like there was some degree of injury there on Ryan and you hope uh, Graves and you hope he's okay. Um, so, uh, a match penalty, 
probably probably the right call. It wasn't a hockey play. I find the discrepancy a little bit puzzling because, I mean, do you not agree? It was a very similar play to the Wilson-Panarin situation. Yeah, it was a, a little bit. I mean, you know, the, the Wilson Panarin thing was sort of in the midst of a scrum and, you know, Wilson reacted like a maniac and took advantage of it. This almost seemed like, you know, Reeves was just out there to do the old send a message. You know, we're going to try to, get yeah. you know, whack the goalie and then we're going to do that. And I think what people really had a problem with was the fact that on two occasions he brought his knee down on top of Graves' head while he was on the ice. And Listen, I don't think he's going to get the full cadre treatment, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't gone for at least the majority of this series once we hear from the uh, the ruling. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's not a repeat offender the way Nazem Kadri is. And I'll put it this way on that end. Uh, I'm shocked that uh, the commissioner upheld his ruling uh, because, because I'm not. It's basically asking, uh, are you sure, Gary? And he's like, <laughs> yes. Uh, because if he, if he wasn't, unless it was an egregious ruling on part of uh, George Paris, the NHL's Department of Player Safety, if you don't uphold the ruling, you're not backing your own department. Of course he was going to uphold that. Um, so, but but Kadri's got a past history, three of the last four times. You don't need to tell us here in Toronto of uh, getting suspended in the playoffs. But but certainly with the match penalty, I, I think he's due for a suspension. And and again, it was, as you put it, it's outside of the, the sort of course of play which, you know, I like tough physical rugby as much as anybody, but, but I do draw the line at once you're outside of the course of play and you're on the other side of that line, that's when you got to be really careful. I think you cross that line. So, um, you know, if a regular season game is, uh, is, is sort of, you know, a half playoff game, what I would say is um, I give him probably – Give him probably four regular season games for that, maybe four or five. So I, I would be looking at two or three playoff games for Ryan Reeves at this yeah. point because I just don't think I just don't think that type of conduct should be in the game. No, no, it was uh, it was nonsense to be honest. And uh, well, he's now going to be paying the price, although it won't be a big price to Vegas because I'm not sure what a difference maker he is right now against a team like the Abs. Dave, listen, enjoy Game Seven tonight. Uh, regardless of what happens, it'll give us lots to talk about going forward, and uh, we'll catch up at some point during Round Two with the Jets playing the winner of tonight's Game Seven. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Uh, anytime. Good to be on. Thanks. <laughs> right on. There he is, Dave McCarthy, NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Dave A. McCarthy. We are going to go from the Toronto side of things to the Montreal side of things in just a minute. But before we do that, we have a big shout out to our great sponsor at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And it's so much more than just a dealership. Uh, Red Seal bodywork and technician done in the shop. Um, of course, they'll also have full detailing, cleaning services. And if you're in a vehicle right now looking to make a move to a new one, they'll also help you consign your, de- uh, your vehicle with their very successful consignment program. Why don't you find out more? Give Trevor and his gang a call. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. And of course, we got to wait two days for a Jets game day, but every night's game day right now during the Stanley Cup playoffs and Boston Pizza has you covered, especially this week. I mean, looking at this forecast, um, that's not going to be cooking weather 
you might not even want to be outside barbecuing. What you're going to want to do is load up that game day meal with the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, and the case of 24 wings, or my favorite, the pizza flights that you can see right here. Um, $18.99, three of mini pizzas, your favorite kinds, three dips. It's all there. No eat-in right now. We'll wait for the BP lounges to get open and have schooners together soon. But right now, takeout and delivery, you can order online at bostonpizza.ca. Big thanks to BP for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And from day one, we've had Royal Sports with us. The excitement grows for round two of the playoffs. You still have a couple days to get your whiteout gear before they drop the puck on Wednesday. And Royal Sports is the place to be. Tons of car flags as well. They had the car flag promotion as well as those Winnipeg Jets Yeti mugs. Um, You can find those in their massive camping department. Now, uh, not to mention bikes, disc golf, soccer, tennis, uh, baseball. They've got it all there. Um, But definitely a great selection of white jerseys and whiteout gear. You're going to want to pick up before they drop the puck on Wednesday. Here you can see it right on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Royal Sports 650 Rally in EK and the Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway. All right, still to come later on the program, we'll hit the lines for CoolBet.com. Remus and I will get back at it head-to-head in our picks for Assiniboia Downs, which has live racing tonight. We'll touch on that a little later on. But right now, continuing to get you ready for Game 7 tonight. We've talked on the Toronto side of things. Let's now go to La Belle Provence, Montreal, Quebec, and our boy Mo Khan from TSN 690. <laughs> Mo, how are you, buddy? Great to have you back on the program. What's up? Uh, you made me hungry, and I want to buy a Jets uniform for Wednesday. <laughs> well, I guess the big question is, will that game be in Winnipeg with the Jets hosting Les Canadiens or will it be in Toronto at the ACC? Take us, give give us the buzz in Montreal right now. I think a lot of people thought this team was done when they were down three one, and yet here we are with one game left for all the marbles in the oldest rivalry in Canadian hockey. Well, FYI, I actually picked the Habs to win in six games. I was one of I think three Montreal media members before this series began that had them going past Toronto to the next round. And, you know, you're right. This this cornerstone rivalry we have, Toronto-Montreal, after game four when it was 3-1 Toronto, the Habs nation was ready to put Mark Bergevin, Dom Ducharme, <laughs> Jeff Molson, and <laughs> Carey Price, and Shea Weber, and, and Thomas Tatar on the plank and just knock them off into the St. Lawrence River and, and be ridden with them, right? But today, there's a sense of relaxation, a confidence from the fan base. Uh, If you heard the players today, they are relaxed, focused. And, Andrew, the one thing to look at, though, when Mark Bergevin made these moves back in the fall after the season was was over, he brought in Stanley Cup experience, the Edmondsons, Jake Allens, Toffoli's, Corey Perry's, right? This is what he brought him in for, for this Game 7 scenario, regardless of Toronto or not, to win this type of matchup. So all bets are off. I think the Habs are coming in with house money. And right now, whether they win or lose, I think the fan base is much more content on the effort presented by them these last couple of games to force a Game 7. Well, let me ask you this. How have they done it? I mean, we know it's been you know big performances in overtime, but you know I can tell you to echo your comments about you know how mad people in uh, Montreal were, well, Toronto had already won the series, or at least that's <laughs> what we heard from the Leaf fans that were coming trash-talking all the Jets fans before they'd even won the thing. 
Right. So, um, but from a Montreal standpoint, they sort of looked like they were done after Game Four. What's been the key to getting back in this series and caught and you know pushing it to a deciding Game Seven tonight? I think Carey Price has been the the focal point because without Carey Price, this team would have lost in three games. You know, and there's the best out of seven, right? You got one four instead of three. So I think what Carey Price has done, and you look at that game on Saturday, Andrew, right? And I was tracking this, uh, you know, throughout the third period when Montreal was up two nothing. They had twenty eight shots on net or 29 shots on net at that point. Toronto scores with 837 left in the third period to make it 2-1. From that moment, the Habs went 19 minutes and 36 seconds of game action without a shot on net until Kakinemi had that eventual game winner in overtime, right? And Carey Price kept them alive, right? They played a rope-a-dope game in game six to force a game seven. If there's no Carey Price, this team's nowhere in, in discussion on game seven, we probably were talking about game one Jets Leafs tonight, as opposed to whoever they face on Wednesday. Carey Price being one of them. I think the the ascension of Jesperi Kakinemi coming back into the lineup brought a chip on his shoulder. Him and Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, the, the future of this franchise has done remarkably well. And look, the defense, they are duct taped. They're injured right now. They are gassed out. They have taken four guys, right? Jeff Petrie, Shea Weber, Edmondson to include as well. Those three guys have carried a heavy load of minutes that has really amplified this team's hope that they can perhaps beat Toronto uh, tonight at, at the Scotiabank Arena. Mo Khan with us uh, from Montreal getting ready for the big game seven tonight. The Jets continue to uh, kick back, practice, rest, recover, and uh, wait to finally see who their opponent will be. Game one will take place either in Toronto or Winnipeg on Wednesday night. Mo, you know, the big story around the Habs going into the series was the fact that, you know, they went out and iced a lineup in game number one that did not have Kakanyemi in it and did not have Cole Caulfield in it. I know that was a huge topic in and around Habs Nation. Um, obviously, that changed throughout the series. Um, how big of a story have these those two young players been as the Habs have gotten back into it? Andrew, this, these two guys, along with Suzuki, have given this franchise fan base hope for the future. Uh, Cole Coffey, look, he got passed by 14 teams two years ago in the NHL draft, and Montreal got him at 15, right? And that's been the most hyped-up rookie prospect in the farm system that half fans have been eagerly waiting for to come up. And finally, we saw what he did this past season with Wisconsin and, of course, towards the tail end of this season with the Habs doing what he did. With those two guys, and they're playing – with nothing to lose. They don't know the the crux, the intensity of what this Leafs-Habs rivalry means right now. And I think for Cole Caulfield, look, people said he'd get banged up, he would get nailed here and there. He's avoided the big hits so far. He's done very well for himself in that element. And I think now for Kakinemi, for what he's done, he's had an up-and-down start to his career. People are saying he maybe should have waited before coming overseas from Finland to play in year one. Maybe he should have come now than when he was 18 years old. If those two guys can get going early in this matchup and really influence how the outcome could be, it really gives this Canadiens team hope for Dominic Ducharme that he can roll not one line, but all four lines, and have them fresh going towards a third period, which could be full of jeopardy and edge for both teams. Mo, it has been, uh, I mean, it's been a wild series, um, but, you know, fans were really, the lack of fans uh, in comparison to what we were seeing in the States, you know, made it look like almost a different league or a different sport. Um, 2,500 in the building, it sure did add a lot to the, uh, you know, to watching the game on television. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've talked to people that were at the game. I don't know if you know people that rich, 
but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it um, I imagine that was a big boost and just the scenes of those Habs fans losing it after Kakaniemi's overtime goal. Um, you know, certainly I think probably gave a big big push to the hockey club as well. Um, and as much as you know, maybe maybe just kept Carey Price on their shoulders when they needed those saves going all that time without scoring. Uh, but it was a pretty cool scene considering everything that everyone's been through to see an actual crowd at a game in Canada on Saturday night. You know, Andrew, uh, for the fumbles and stumbles that this Premier Legault has had during this COVID-19 process, right? Somehow he has fumbled, fumbled his way into a good thing of how Thankfully, the third wave was not prevalent in this province, right? It was controlled. Numbers have gone down. That opened up the opportunity for this Game 6 to happen for fans to arrive. Now, for the fans that went there, I know a couple that did go. Uh, look, we saw on social media how ticket values were almost 30 times the face value what it was going to be for a ticket to get into the Bell Center. And that amplified, that gave this fan base uh, the opportunity to help this team um, to chug along here and, and get through this game against Toronto. And look, guys, if Montreal becomes the outlier, the, the, the outline, the base template for other cities to say, look, we can do the exact same thing to have some form of fan representation. Let's go with it. And I think where we knew the fans were back into this game was when they started to boo the referees for the non-penalty calls that should have been penalties in their minds, uh, the too-many-men call that was not called. And, of course, the Bronx cheer when it has finally got their first shot in overtime. <laughs> so you knew they were back in the fold. But this fan base has been hungry, as is every fan base across Canada, to get back into an arena or stadium down the road. So it's a great outlook for Canada. I think that we are on our way to hopefully better situation for, of normalcy. And I hope down the road, maybe for the Jet series, that if the Winnipeg government or the Manitoba government says, okay, let's have some fans in there, I think it'll do wonders for the Jets as well. Now, I know we touched on this before, but just to give an idea about how the temperature can change so quickly, I mean, how different was the atmosphere on the 690 morning show on, say, Thursday <laughs> morning before Game 5 as opposed to what it was this morning when the guys got ready before Game 7? Okay, so Tony Marinero, one of my colleagues and, and good friends of mine at the station, okay, he is a legend in the Montreal Airways. He's like you, Andrew, in terms of the equivalent of, of, of that royalty right in the city. <laughs> so he he came on Game 5, post-game, or, or following day of the Game 5 loss, or Game 4 loss going towards Game 5. He goes, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die now doing live radio because <laughs> I can't take it anymore what this team has done to my heart and to my mindset. Today... There is a sense of confidence now for this, for us at 690 in terms of what we feel. But for those who are fans, there is that sense of achievement that they can perhaps pull off this upset and move on to the second round and play the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday evening. So I think right now, the way it was from, say, five days ago to where we are today, a complete 180 now, Andrew. And I think the fan base is really eager to see this team perhaps pull off the win over Toronto and go on to round two. Well, you know, we'll um, you know, we'll all sit back here in Winnipeg, as will the Jets, and watch the game tonight and see what <laughs> we've got for uh, an opponent for the Jets on Wednesday. Um, Mo, I know you've been paying attention to the rest of the playoffs. I mean, what did you think about the uh, Avalanche yesterday, as well as Tampa squeaking one out on, you know, maybe start off with Tampa Carolina. In that, that sort of series was exactly as I expected, very tight, a thin, you know, a thin margin of victory between winning and losing and um you know ned who's been so good lets in a terrible goal in the third period and uh you know when you're talking about two teams that are as close as that you do that you're probably going to lose on most nights 
Yeah, I, I think also when you think about Carolina coming off a, a very grinding, grueling series against Nashville, winning in six tough games, I think that carried over from a fatigue standpoint, right? I think Carolina has that team in place. Look, Tampa, from what we saw, right, that was like champ- champagne hockey they played against Florida in round one, right? That power play was phenomenal with what they did with Kucherov back in the lineup. I think what it'll come down to for Tampa is this. Can that power play execute like they did at a high clip against uh, Florida as they could against Carolina in round two? I think for the Hurricanes, what they have to do, and we know they have that tenacity that Rod Brindamore has instilled, right? We talk about that third period where they were down to Nashville. They come back, they get that tying goal, they win in overtime. Can they bring that over to what should be, I think, a six, if not seven-game series with the Tampa Bay Lightning and what I think will be a fun series to watch uh, for the duration of the round two? And then there's the abs. And the show that they put on, I mean, that dude, that looked like the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington <laughs> Generals for a while yesterday. Um, you know, for a, a matchup that was so highly anticipated, um, I, I'm still stunned that it's just a how one-sided it was. It was equivalent, and I'll give you the football example. It was equivalent to when the Raiders would come to mile high and get their butts kicked by the Broncos, right? <laughs> the exact same thing happened, right? I know Vegas Raiders and, and, and all that, but... I think the same thing happened with with Vegas. I think they were so gassed out from that grueling series with Minnesota. You come on on literally less than 48 hours from your series win to playing Colorado in mile-high air. That cost them early on. And I think that decision to go with what they did to sit Marc-Andre Fleury for that first game and go with Laner, I wonder if that's going to bite them in the backside because it might come down to a game seven where they could have said, my God, have we started Fleury? Maybe we win this series and I'll play game seven and move on to the third round. Um, what do you th- think of the Bruins? Uh, are they the uh, the team to beat right now in the, well, I mean, I guess in that series. I mean, I, we knew that they'd be favored. I thought the Islanders were getting, you know, a little bit disrespected, you know, going in. But that often happens with Barry Trotz's team. No one expects them to win, and they always seem to find a way, at least in the first round. Uh, but, man, do the Boston Bruins seem like they are the real deal right now. Yeah, you know, we, we can go back to game number two against the Capitals for Boston, right, when they were down. And, and Washington was complete control of that game until that Taylor Hall goal that was supposedly controversial, right? That changed the fortunes of of the Bruins, Andrew, and how they looked at that series, and they took over, and they never looked back. I think what we saw from Pasternak and what he did was a one-man wrecking crew against the Islanders. I think the Islanders will adapt because Barry Trotz is a great tactician how he is able to adjust to what he sees. Remember, in in round one against Pittsburgh, right, even with, with the fact that this wasn't a vintage Penguins team, even coming off a loss, they still adapted well, and they really took out their top shooters on that team. I think the same thing could be applied for the Boston Bruins if Trotz is able to get these guys to buy in for round two. But I think this will go will also go maybe six, if not seven games, because both teams are well coached. I think from a defensive standpoint, they can definitely lock it down if they're holding a one, if not two, goal lead. Yeah, I really hope the Islanders can win tonight. I don't know if Boston gets up 2-0. I'm afraid it could be a short series, but we will certainly see. Hey, quickly on the way out, non-hockey question. Uh, I know you're a big soccer guy. What the hell happened to Man City in the Champions League final on the weekend? Well, if you see my – I have my – I just got a Liverpool flag. So as as a Liverpool fan, I I am super stoked what happened with them losing to – Man City losing to Chelsea. What happened was in that game, Thomas Tuchel, the manager of Chelsea – put out a system that neutralized the attacking front of Man City. They couldn't get going with the ball. Kevin De Bruyne, who's arguably the best player in the world, couldn't get the passes through the channels to get up to the attackers to make a threat towards a goal. And I think also what hurt Man City 
was the the fact that they went with a different lineup, taking out Rodri and, of course, taking out Fernandinho, two top defensive guys that could have helped in the last third of the defensive side of the pitch. And I think that really was Pep Guardiola outthinking himself, overthinking the process and how it should have been. But there's no question that Chelsea put out a, a spectacular effort and Angola Conte controlled and was a centurion of the field itself. And my cousins were actually at the game. No and way. And they told me, yeah, they went. I, I almost went to the game, actually. Uh, due to COVID-19, we couldn't go. But they were there, Andrew, and they told me it was one of the most surreal experiences. In fact, from a Chelsea to Man City ratio, it was 3-1 to one Chelsea to Man City fans at in Porto watching the game. So this was something that they live with and a, a quite – I guess, spectacular dominant effort by Chelsea to get that championship over Man City. Yeah, that uh, you know the uh, the way they locked down Man City was sort of like what the Jets did to the Oilers in round one. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, true. taking great, care great of Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Draisaitl. Hey, Mo, um, let's uh, let's uh, maybe see if we can do this for a little Jets Habs talk in round two coming up next week, huh? <laughs> You know what, Andrew, you got it. And, look, if the Habs do win tonight, I think the key will be them getting that first goal. If they can get a, a one, if not two, goal lead, we talk about their collapses the last couple of games here, but I think they have the horsepower now to lock it down and perhaps eke out a victory over Toronto tonight. <laughs> Dude, great having you on the program. Always, Thanks brother. so much Thank for you. doing this. Enjoy Game 7 tonight. And, uh, you know, with the Habs or without the Habs, we'll be uh, talking to you again very soon on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I appreciate your time, buddy. Always, brother. Take care, man. Have a great week. Thanks so much. There he is, my good friend Mo Khan. Follow him on Twitter at MoCon19. And, uh, of course, a contributor in so many ways to uh, the team out in Montreal with TSN 690. Great, great stuff from Mo. Um, but we still have lots to get to on the program. We are going to get to our uh, daily wagers for Assiniboy Downs. We'll get to the cool bet lines. Um, and we also want to talk about a very special anniversary. But before we do that, um, do want to thank... Our beer sponsor, Little Brown Jug. I uh, saw a few tweets from you folks, quite a few 1919s going out this weekend, a few of the summer loggers, the odd Hefeweizen. And I've got to tell you, this is basically a Winnipeg Sports Talk PSA to all of you. If you have not checked the forecast, it is going to be not just hot, it's going to be sweltering later on this week. And the last thing you want to be doing is being caught without some delicious cold beer during some of the hottest days of the summer. And how you can help yourself right now, don't bother going to the beer store. Go to their new website, littlebrownjug.ca. You can go on. It's easier than ever to order all the great beers that they've got from Little Brown Jug. You can pick up some merchandise as well. Got some great stuff uh, in the uh, in the shop and I'll get it delivered to you simply, easily, to your home this week before things get steamy a little later on. So go to Little Brown Jug. You can see on the screen right there, there is the, sorry, there's the, all right, I'm getting better with my uh, hands here. There it is, littlebrownjug.ca, online ordering. 1919 is my favorite, but man, they've got some amazing new ones, as we mentioned, the Summer Lager and the Hefeweizen. Um Big thanks to Little Brown Jug for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, Assiniboia Downs. We are going to post tonight. 7.20 will be the parade to post. First race in and around 7.35 p.m. And if you want to go head-to-head with myself and Michael Remus, all you need to do is go to hpibet.com 
open up an account and you'll be able to uh, put a toonie on any of the races tonight, uh, bet on horse tracks all around the world, and you'll also be able to watch the races live. So hpibet.com, and don't forget 645 before every live racing day, it's ASD Live with Kirk, Marshall, and Stretch. They'll break down all the races, give you their picks for it, and hopefully help you maybe be a little bit more educated as to what you'll be looking for and trying to win on for the live racing. So tonight, they're back at it. Assiniboia Downs. It's hpibet.com to open an account and bet on all the live racing out at Assiniboia Downs. And, of course, it is fishing season, and there's simply no better place to do that in the province than Aikens Lake. Still some openings of times that were previously booked by American tourists. If you're looking to stay in the province with a world-class fishing adventure, you're going to want to do it at Aikens Lake. Find them online at AikensLake.com or hit them up on Twitter, our good friend Pitt Turen at Aikens Lake. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, some great chats with Dave, some great chats with Mo about the Leafs and the Habs game tonight. Um, I do want to talk about a big historic day in Winnipeg Jet history, which happens to be today. But before we do it, where are you on tonight's Game 7? What team do you think we'll be talking about tomorrow as the opponent for the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, man. Um so my head says pick the Leafs, but I really want Montreal. I'm just like salivating at the chaos from the Toronto media. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna happen. It, the, my, my excited as what my Twitter timeline is gonna be if Toronto doesn't win. It's gonna be but I mean, I, if your line is the, on a massive freakout. I mean, would the better freakout not be that the Jets bounce them in oh, round two of the if playoffs they, if they lose to the Jets? Oh man, if the Jets. Beat. Oh man, this guy. Hold on, I gotta ban some guy. One oh, second. nice. Another another elimination of the uh, WST chat yeah, battle he, royal. Some guy thinks he's coming in here <laughs> spamming. Yeah, he's he gone as uh, Chad, uh, twenty seven fifty over the top rope. See ya, champ. Yeah, we've been talking, doing like Jim Ross uh, impressions in the uh, <laughs> in the chat. I just timed him out, but uh, he waited his three minutes and uh, came back in here, and everyone's running stone cold, stone cold. Okay. Um, uh, I think it'll be fun if um, if the Jets bounce Toronto, but I don't know Toronto blowing another three to one lead. Uh, like, is that does that get any better? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So I think I think this is maximum Toronto freakout. I really want Montreal to win, but I mean Toronto has outplayed Montreal. Uh, Carey Price has been excellent, and Montreal has had some timely goals and um, you know taken advantage of some mistakes uh, from Toronto. Let so, me ask you this, yeah. and I'll ask everybody the same question in chat if you're with us live on YouTube. Um, you know, just from a Jets perspective, throw the Jets fan hat on. Um, you know, who do you think the Jets match up better with? Who's a better matchup, just strictly from a hockey sense, not mm. any media talk, not any, you know, um, needling other fans, just simply winning and losing. I mean, I... I I think I still think the Jets match up better against Montreal, but to be honest with you, the way what we've seen from these series, the injuries that the Leafs have, um, you know, acquired over the course of this, to me, it's it's pretty close. I mean, maybe it's 55-45 one side, but, um, you know, especially considering these games have, I, I've got a pretty, I'm very optimistic about the Jets' chances against either team, to be honest, and a big part of that is thanks to Montreal forcing this seventh game in the series tonight. Yeah, Jake Muzzin out for three weeks. We know John Tavera's already out. So Leafs are, are definitely suffering some injuries. 
And I mean, that's the cost of, uh, you know, not closing out Montreal before you play the extra games and, you know, you risk guys getting hurt. So, I mean, even if the Jets, I think the Jets played well against Toronto. There are some games where Toronto definitely um, outshot them quite a bit, but uh, I think these two injuries, Muzzin and Tavares for Toronto are going to be huge against the Jets. Montreal, I mean, I think the Jets mostly played played great against Montreal. There were a couple games where Montreal did outshoot them, but I think that was Montreal all year. They would outshoot teams. They couldn't finish. And um, they weren't getting this type of goaltending from Carey Price in the regular season, but he's been excellent here in the playoffs and definitely kept the minutes. So um, I think Montreal, you look at their line, I think I guess I would, I would bet on Montreal if I had to, just because I think that's more fun. Uh, yeah, Montreal, well, but, but I mean Toronto's—they—they're the better team. They've outplayed Montreal, but at whatever, haven't been able to close it. Yeah, Michael Nicholson, shout out to Mike, uh, says Montreal, but Carey Price is dangerous, and I'll—I'll I'll be honest, uh, that is—that's what scares me the most. Of I mean, I—I I do think Toronto is a better team, but I think Carey Price Price can be the biggest difference maker and we all know what a hot goalie can do in the playoffs and the Jets will hopefully have their own hot goalie at the other end. Um but Carey Price, I mean heck, we saw it in game 6. They probably have no business playing this game tonight, but yet here they are. And you know, a goaltender like Carey Price is always one that can get in the uh minds of opposition fans and probably the opposition team as well. So, we'll see what happens tonight tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's going to be an awesome show. Mike McIntyre is going to join us. We'll have the latest on the Jets as they prepare for game number one. And uh, Remo, big get for Reem. Nick Kiprios is going to join us tomorrow. What a great day to have Kipper on as we'll get him to break down what we saw in game seven and lead us into the winner of tonight, matching up against the Winnipeg Jets in round two on Wednesday. Yeah, I've been a fan of his for all. Couldn't have him on with us uh, you know, for whatever reasons. And uh, now we're, we're both YouTubers, so maybe he's got some YouTube uh, tips for us. He's got a show it's at, uh, I think it's at 11 Central on live. It's called a Kipper at Noon. So uh, check that out uh, before we're live at 1. So uh, 11 uh, Central, he's on. You got it. Todd Fratani, I think the Habs will be, dare I say, easier. Price can steal games, but how wild would it be to beat the Leafs? I'm right there on that. I mean, if you, uh, yes. you told me that the Jets were going to move on to the third round, who would you rather beat more? Um, I think most Jet fans would happily sign up to be the team that bounces the Maple Leafs. Although, Habs right there with Toronto as far as um, nemesis when it comes to fans. Um, you know, when it comes, you know, going into the building, having them take over rinks on the road. Um, so anyways, we're going to have lots to get to tomorrow with both Mike and Nick Kiprios. It should be a heck of a lot of fun. Now listen, before we get to our picks tonight for the track and the cool bet lines for Game 7 and more... Remo, I know a couple people have mentioned it. We, of course, we were going to talk about it today. Hard to believe we are 10 years to the day from the official announcement on the return of the Winnipeg Jets to Winnipeg, relocating from Atlanta. Thrashers became the Jets. And 10 years ago, we didn't know that the name was going to be the Jets. We just knew that the Thrashers were moving to Winnipeg. Um, it's a date that, you know, I will never forget as long as I live. Was lucky enough to be in the press conference in the basement of Bell MTS Place with the commissioner and Mark Chipman and David Thompson there. And, you know, I was pinching myself the entire time. I mean, we knew that it was happening. There'd been, you know, quite a bit of buildup. There'd been scuttlebutt dating back to the potential of the Coyotes coming. That did not happen. And then it seemed, and I guess our first day officially going on 
TSN, well, at the time, Sports Radio 1290 was the night that Stephen Brunt broke the news. And that was in mid to late March, if I recall correctly. No, it was so, a couple of weeks. Uh, it was a couple weeks before. It was like May 17. That was but the th- Brunt day. That was, was the Brunt day. March? Yeah, it was like May. Oh, okay. I, think, I think you guys started on um, TSN House on Laws. I think you guys started somewhere around there, didn't you? I forget what what day you guys started. Yeah, it, I mean, a lot of it is a blur. But yeah. the one thing that I'll never forget is that day and being in that room and seeing it all come together and be official and. Um, would love to hear from those of you. I know there's lots of big Jet fans in the chat. Um, did you go down to the Forks? Were you down at Portage in Maine that day? What do you remember from 10 years ago today, May yeah. 31st? Um, I'm getting uh, I'm getting 20, the chills. Uh, 2011. Where were now? Where were you for that, Reem? I mean, uh, were you working at uh, 1290 at the time yet? Uh, I was with Illegal Curve. We were kind of doing stuff with 1290 on the weekends, but I wasn't full time by any means. I am. The hair is standing on the back of my neck. It's like uh, Creed is playing. I'm getting emotional. But, <laughs> but um, I was working uh, downtown in an office building, and not a lot of work, I don't think, by anyone was getting done. I remember we all um, went on, like, Portage and Maine. They have that big TV screen. Everyone was watching it out there. Definitely got a street hot dog. If uh, I definitely remember that. And then I remember 1290 was broadcasting from Tavern United downtown, and I ended up there with you guys. I found some pictures on the Illegal Curve website, actually. I couldn't find any pictures on my phone of, of any of that, but I know I was definitely downtown when the Brent article came out. I, was, I did my first like live hit on 1290, just like screaming into the phone because people were going nuts. And then, um, yeah, everyone was partying. I don't think anyone did any work. I know... I got a picture, I found it on the legal curve side of people playing street hockey at Portage in Maine yeah. at, at like noon on a weekday, which seems totally absurd. And I mean, after that, it, it was totally, um, it was totally surreal that the NHL was coming. Um, you know, I was at a lot of the, uh, you know, key moments, um, you know, leading up to the first game, including the first game. And I think it was, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy, including, uh, you know, the draft, um, the jersey unveiling, which I pointed out earlier in the show, you can see me in the Jets Legends. And the Jets actually tweeted out, if you want to relive it, they tweeted out the Jets Legends episode of the announcement. Yes, the so that is, that is pretty cool. So a lot of people, a lot of people, um, you know, doing, you know, reflecting uh, on what a great day that was when they finally announced it. And it was a day we've been waiting for for so long. And I know some people you know, didn't think that it would come, but circumstances lined up and uh it still amazes me how quickly you know the you know we've been talking about phoenix now the arizona coyotes for like over 10 years about being potentially moved atlanta it was like that it was like overnight they the jet they came here and uh it's pretty crazy it is sandy and g i remember crying shouting laughing um there were so many emotions that day um, and I, I got emotional a few times, uh, you know, b- right there when it was actually happening and you're realizing, you know, a rink that I basically spent the, well, I mean, at that point, seven years since it was opened in 2004, but dating back to all the times working with the Moose and the Jets before that at the old Winnipeg Arena to see everything come full circle is a day that I'll certainly <laughs> never forget. And yeah, I mean, we went and did that show at um, Canada Inns uh, at Tavern United and 
you know, all the people that came in and how fired up everybody was and just the level of excitement is something that, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky if we're ever around anything that exciting again. To be honest, I only you know, I think the only thing that could possibly reach that would be as if the Jets were able to, to win the Stanley Cup. And obviously, hopefully, we'll get that at some point while we're on planet Earth. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, everything around that day was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I remember popping down, checking on people at uh, Portage in Maine. And, and I guess going back to like the Stephen Brunt, when the Stephen Brunt story broke, that was the first time we went live. We were planning on starting the show regularly. We had a contract already, but it wasn't starting yet. And uh, they said, nope, now's the time we go live. And uh, we went in, I, to be honest with you, full disclosure, I got a call from, I believe it was Chris Brooke, our boss, or Gary, one of the two. Uh, it was like 8.15. I think I was sitting at the bar at Confusion Corner having a couple. And it was like, hey, we're going. It's been out. Let's go. And I mean, 20 minutes later, I was in the studio at 12.90 for the first time, turn it on. And we ran calls for, geez, I don't know, about two and a half or three hours. And then finished up and... um grabbed a few and went down and celebrated with everybody at Portage in Maine. So, um, you know, it's just amazing um, how quickly it seems this time has gone by like that 10 years later. Um, and now we're sitting here uh, with the 30 plus degree forecast for the rest of the week, knowing that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be playing in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs against either the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I, I, I was going to say, I'm just, yeah, I'm just reading some of these messages. Show it to Evan oh, P. Evan P. says, I got up and walked out of my grade 12 math test. Definitely took an L for that one, but wow, was it worth it. <laughs> yeah, Evan. And then there, there was someone else who said, uh, oh, yes, Kevin Martin. I remember being in grade 7 and the live stream was playing on the classroom smart board when the announcement came. Uh, I mean, that's how significant it is. They're, they're pausing school to show it. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And I remember, yeah, downtown, everyone uh, was at Portage in Maine watching it on the big screen there. Um, yeah, super cool day. Everyone was was celebrating. We do kind of, you know, maybe the last couple, you know, I remember the first year anniversary, it was definitely significant. Then it kind of, um, you know, diminished a bit. But now that it's, I think, 10 years is a big milestone. Also, with you know what's going on, it's nice to look back oh, on yeah. uh, on happy times. So. Uh, I was looking at some pictures. Uh, I for whatever reason, though, I have pictures of everything. I couldn't find any pictures. I think my BlackBerry um, SD card uh, took a crap, and I lost a lot of them. I, uh, that's my guess. But um, I found a couple at least lying around somewhere. So if someone has any pictures, I don't know, post it on our Facebook or tweet them out or something, or uh, send it to me, and maybe I'll post it on our on our Instagram. Ernie Thiessen was your first radio show on Freak 107. It was, in fact. That was uh, that, That's what Gary and I affectionately refer to as the shower curtain days, if you've ever returned to that. It was a, uh, I mean, admittedly, I mean, not that our studio was much better at 1290, to be honest with you, but um, it was certainly a little bit of a different. But yeah, that's where he got started. Shout out to my guy, Jared Hanna, who gave me that opportunity. And uh, look where it's brought me in my own living room doing a show with Michael Rivas every day on YouTube now. <laughs> it has been a wild, wild 10 years. Mitch, I'll never take this day for granted. I was gutted when they left. Jets 280, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And um, you know what? The, uh, you know, the, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, the other thing that this announced was the drive to 13,000, Reem. Yeah. And I believe that it was a Thursday. It was midweek. I, and then, yeah. 
Saturday was the day for the drive to 13,000. And, uh, you know, we, we've all been through a time where everyone wanted to get concert mm-hmm. tickets or something. That was the, uh, that had to be the craziest day in Winnipeg Ticketmaster history. I'll tell you, yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, I think my dad got some tickets, so we're still ticket holders. But the funny story about that is that same day, uh, they had announced Jerry Seinfeld tickets were going on sale. Or, you know, they had announced uh, before the Jets announcement, okay, Jerry Seinfeld's coming to Winnipeg, tickets are on sale the Saturday. It was the same Saturday as the drive to 13,000. <laughs> so I guess every single person forgot about Jerry Seinfeld going on sale and was going for the Jets tickets. So I w- we were doing a Legal Curve hockey show, and I signed on at 10 a.m. to get my Seinfeld tickets. I think the noon was the drive to 13,000, or it was like an hour before. Or it might have even been the same time, I don't remember. But all I know is I got, like, row one to Jerry Seinfeld. And because uh, and everyone was going for drive to 13,000. <laughs> Come on, how often do you get row one uh, for tickets? <laughs> that's, my me- that's my memory. Uh, but yeah, I remember a lot of people were, t- I mean, the, the lingo, like P1, P2, P3, like you were using like P1. Oh. You were using that term if you like were anywhere and like had a bad view. Oh, you, that guy's got the P1s up there. P1s. So. Well, hey, I mean, I had had seats from dating back to the moose. So yeah. I had, I was in the first group to pick seats. But being the veteran that I am, knowing that pretty much everybody in the first, um, the first tier of seniority with the moose was like companies that had been with them for a long time that were mostly going P1 lower bowl. I went upper bowl and picked two of the top first seats in P6. And got those nice row one seats in the corner that I still have right now. So that was uh, that was a great move by me. You've, I've sat in me, your seats. You've, yeah. You have a good view. I, I think they're view? the best value seats in the building. Corner. I mean, and, you know, hey, listen, I started this through selling season tickets. And I always said to folks, if you, I mean, listen, yeah, a center ice seat is great. But the corner seats, they're less, they're priced less. If you can get them in the corner that the home team's shooting at in the first and third, never have to move your head. Very convenient. I, I could go on for hours about the benefits of corner seats. Um, but anyways, love them right now and uh, still have them. We'll never give them up. Uh, and just can't wait to use those seats at some point, hopefully next season, because it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon here in Manitoba, despite the fact that the Jets are still in the playoffs and will be getting it going either in Winnipeg or in Toronto, depending on the results of tonight's game um, between the Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, hey, one thing, did you see what happened in the NBA this week? Uh, we're getting some projectile. There's been some really bad yeah. behavior from fans since things have gone back. And I don't know whether people didn't get to go to games for a year and just completely forgot how to behave or figured that they were at like a WCW show in the 90s where it was acceptable <laughs> to throw crap into the ring. Um, but you know, we had the popcorn on Russell Westbrook last week. And then Kyrie Irving, who's, listen, he... He's a weird dude and does things for whatever reason. He did the stamp on the logo, which I understand is a bit of an F you to an organization that defends. However, whipping a water bottle at anybody, uh, like a professional athlete at an event you pay a ticket to, I mean, you have no right to do that. And this guy, Remo, not only is banned for life, but apparently has been arrested and is going to be charged. And um, honestly, I think that's a good precedent to set considering what we've seen in this short time that fans have been in buildings in some of these venues here in North America. Yeah, I agree. It's it's pretty sick to throw a you know, water bottle at anyone. And then you think about 
uh, you know, do just do a little simple physics, Huss. Uh, mass times speed uh, equals acceleration. Did I get that one right? Um, I'm not sure if you did. But, um, I mean, if you threw a bottle and uh, hit him in the head, I mean, you could have some serious damage there. So I agree you have to set a precedent. You can't have anyone throwing objects at players. Um, this guy should be, you know, full, completely charged. And I think Celtics fans are bent that he stomped on the logo. Can we... Like, the logo was on... I know, like, he did, like, a gesture, like, he was stomping on the logo's head. You know, the the Celtics, you know, guy in yeah. the logo. But, like, it's on the court. They're playing basketball on the court throughout the game. So, I guess it's okay to run over him in a game situation. But if you're just, like, stomping on him pregame, no, that's... You can't do that, so... We, and well, we've listen, talked about I logos... Thought, I, yeah, I love... We, yeah, ahead, yeah, like the logo on the floor in the in the locker room again. One of the dumbest things, uh, you know, the whole "don't step on it." Well, why is it on the floor then? I mean, that entire conversation I'm here for. Um, but like Jimmy Traina tweeted out today, being offended by stepping someone stepping on a logo. Reason fifty four thousand three hundred ninety seven why sports fans are deranged. Let's face it, the whole not stepping on the logo is really something, and it's not a fan thing. That's like a team and organization thing, as you just mentioned. But I thought Bourne nailed it. This has become low-hanging fruit for sports fans who pat themselves on the back for being rational. But, like, it's no different than getting offended by someone giving you the middle finger. It's direct symbolism that means F you. And I agree with this. I mean, I understand why people are, are, you know, turned off by it, the the visual of it. It rubs them the wrong way. And guess what? That's exactly what Kyrie Irving was trying to do by doing it. So that's the way it is. But none of that excuses any sort of act like what happened with the fan throwing the water bottles. So, um, listen, we're not going to have to worry about that for a while because, unfortunately, none of us are going to be in a building anytime soon watching a game as a fan. But when that does happen, um, you know, hopefully we'll uh, be able to, you know, enjoy the games civilly as 99.9% of fans have been doing it. All right, Remo, let's get to, we'll get to cool bet lines in a minute. Um, let's get to our picks for Assiniboia Downs for tonight. Um, the Remus is in the lead right now. I had a pretty cool start to our uh, our wagering for week one, but again, it was just the first week of the regular season of the season of live racing. Needed to uh, needed to hit my stride, and I think tonight I will be hitting that stride. But um, Remo, you're the leader. Why don't you give us your wager for tonight at Assiniboia Downs? And I think I've split mine up a little bit, so I've got a couple. Where are you going with on tonight's card for Assiniboia Downs? Race one, prayed to post, 720, should go off about 735. Yeah, I got uh, one horse that I'm in. Race one, let me uh, just bring it up here. Hold on. It was... Let me go to Assiniboia Downs, HPI bet. I have it bookmarked. Race one, I did a, what is it, a Quinella with this trophy, this horse, the best named horse, number one, Sophie McTrophy. <laughs> and I'm doing a Quinella with smoke and chrome. So they need to finish one or two, one and two. It doesn't matter which one's one, which one's two. But those are the two that I'm on. Uh, Sophie McTrophy was seems to be the favorite, and they have their program selections at the bottom. That you can use those as a guide. When I won, one of mine wasn't a program selection, but I looked through every name of the horse, and I thought Sophie McTrophy. It's very 2021, uh, a la Bodie McBoatface. Hmm. But yes, yeah, Sophie. I, the name has McTrophy, so you know it's hmm. taking down uh, first place. <laughs> 
Um, well, I think that Trophy McTrophy will be second, uh, and you can win because I am on smoke and chrome to win. I'm going ten on horse number one. Smoke or sorry, uh, that's two. It's horse number two, smoke and chrome mm-hmm. with Kayla Pizarro, great jockey riding smoke and chrome. So I'm going. You got smoke intel? And chrome to, I'm smoking chrome to win. Uh, well, she's always been one of the one of the tops. Antonio Whitehall's up there, but um, been to the track enough times. She's won a lot of races, so I'm familiar with the horses, the track. So I do like Kayla on this one. I'm going to race three, and I'm going with an exactor, five dollar exactor number three. Call the cops to win with two impressive cents to be second. The exactor bet is you have to have them in the correct order. I could take a Quinella bet where it could go either way, but I wouldn't win as much. So um, listen, I'm rolling with call the cops. I think number two will come in second. So we go with the exactor. And then the final bet, this might be a bit chalky. We'll see where the odds finish up, but I'm going to race seven. Number three, Trump, um, no idea what that means. Maybe they're going to trump him and hopefully he will trump the rest of the field. I'm not sure whether that has anything to do with certain president of the United States. But again, we're here to win. We're not here to make political statements. Um, No matter where Trump um is from, I think Trump um is going to win. So give me horse number three in race seven, Trump um. So I've split it up. Smoke and chrome in race one, the three to exact in race three, and Trump um number three in race seven put it together we'll update it tomorrow and of course monday tuesday wednesday we throw out our picks going head to head remus is in the lead right now i hope to change that soon and um parade to post tonight seven twenty. but if you are going to be uh maybe throwing a few sprinkles on the horses tonight make sure to tune in asd live the Assiniboine Downs live show on their website with the handicappers, Marshall, Stretch, and Kirk Contois, who's joined us a few times. And get that. They go live at about 6.45 with a full rundown of what's to come in tonight's racing. All right. Let's get to uh, let's get to the Cool Bet Lines, Reem. Um, it, by the way, did you uh, – any sprinkles on the weekend? Any uh, Anything good or anything uh, not so good for you uh, in the wide world of wagering? Mm. I don't think so, actually. I don't think I really have anything. I'm waiting for. Well, I'm waiting for the uh, this Montreal series to claim that I got seven of my eight uh, picks correctly. But I don't think I have. No, I. I'll be honest. My I haven't done too much wagering um, lately. I mean, I have an account at Coolbet, and it's there when I need it. But well, you did the live bet on the Canes, and that was six. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. I, you Thursday. You. I only wait for your tweets, us, and then I'm like, okay, then I'm gonna go. <laughs> um, hold on, let me uh, bring myself back here. But uh, I don't know. See, I guess I could be convinced to do tonight's game for fun. But I mean, game seven, how much extra juice do I need? Maybe I'll bet on a score because I, I prefer the um, the prop bets more than anything. Well, um, you know what? Let's uh, see what we've got tonight for game seven. Uh, money line is Leafs minus 200, Habs plus 174. The over-under on the game is 5.5, over-paying big, plus 119 for the over, minus 141 for the under. And the puck line, if you think the Leafs can win by 2, they're at plus 132, so you get more than double your money. Habs plus a goal and a half. So essentially, that's Habs to win or lose by 1, 
minus 149. That's a guaranteed winner on the Habs if it gets to overtime. There is a a three-way bet, which includes a tie after regulation. Ties plus 342. That's essentially a bet to go to overtime. Habs plus 292 to win in regulation. And the Leafs minus 120. And, um, you know, again, there's all sorts of props on an over-under all the way from 2.5 to 8.5. You've got the spread totals as well. Um, draw no bet and just essentially money lines, um, you know, to first team to score, Habs plus 125, Leafs minus 154. And, um, and then you've got all the prop bets. Austin Matthews, Remus, is still minus 118 to score. That won a lot of people some money in the regular season. Has not been the case this series. Uh, It's really been William Nylander that's been doing all the scoring. He's plus 170 to beat Carey Price again. The goalie, he's victimized more than any in the NHL. Yeah, someone was asking in the chat about Cole Caulfield to score as well. He's plus 300 to score. That's a, I actually kind of like that. Um, Jason Spezza, who's found the Fountain of Youth, plus 360. Kerfoot, plus 380, who Dave McCarthy mentioned. He likes the way he's playing. Um, you know, the OT hero, Kotkaniemi, plus 440. Or what about former Jet, Yoel Armia, plus 450. Nice to see a couple former Jets in Armia and Ben Sherratt uh, making an impact. On this Sherratt series. twelve to one, twelve to one. If you think Ben Sherratt will score today, he's the uh, the the longest shot of anybody listed in the game. Uh, the guy I like on the Montreal side of things, I've been waiting for another goal from him, is Josh Anderson plus two eighty five tonight to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and to be honest, Brendan Gallagher plus two thirty five. The number might be a bit low, but he just he seems to me like a guy that could probably go out and get it done. In OT, he'll be uh, he'll be in the places you need to go to score goals. I can tell you that much. Uh, no doubt that the, the Leafs will have their hands full with Brendan Gallagher tonight in a deciding seventh game. Yeah, he, oh, he's there. Yeah, he plus two there. That's not bad. And like Nick Suzuki, I think has been good. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, it is five and a half under. Is you know slight favorite to be under. Mm, I don't know where I would lean there. I, I think it'll probably be be low scoring. Both goalies have been very good, and we know Montreal's kind of they've had trouble scoring. And the Leafs, uh, you know, the power play has been not great as well. Uh, you know what? Jeff Kabilis has just brought up. I did have a huge win on the weekend. Um, the lock shot picks were not very good. Did not win the dog pound. I had the Islanders on Sunday. However, in the wide world of wagering, Reem, I came up with one pick. And that was in the sweet science, the squared circle, if you will, boxing what? championship match. Oh. I picked plus 237 on the Filipino flash, Nonito Donaire. And I will admit, part of the selection was the ability to go on with Dustin in the, uh, well, outside of Halifax, the Donaire capital of Canada, and pick a guy named Donaire. But then when I went and looked a little bit more, this guy, he's 38, seven-time world champion, going up against the 17-0 challenger. But this guy had not fought anyone, and he was moving up in quality of fighters so much, it seemed like there was incredible value on Donaire. We took him at 237 on the lock shot. By the time the fight went off, it was only plus 186. Knocked him out in the fourth round. And I know, I don't know if Windog's here right now, but Windog, Mike Wynn, as maybe the biggest boxing fan I know, and uh, a great follow on Twitter, by the way, and great Winnipeg sports guy, but has been back when we could travel, would go to fights all the time. And 
I put out, I was all pumped about Nonito Donaire winning. Mike tweets at me, haha, great bet, ha, something like that. And about, like, dude, I'm not kidding. 15 minutes after the fight is over, Nonito Donaire himself, with the blue check narc, retweeted the congratulations to me for betting on him in the wide world of wagering. So that has to be a first, a retweet from a winning bet, a guy that won us the bet being retweeted 15 minutes afterwards. So to me, Nonito Donaire, even more of a legend. Shout out to the Filipino Flash and, of course, Mike Wynn. Mike was on Donaire as well, and um, we have to go buy some Donaires in celebration after that big win. And I needed that one because a lot of other things didn't go very well, including Tyler Chatwood not being able to throw a damn strike in the bottom of the seventh inning yesterday for the Jays. I had a Royals-Jays parlay. The Royals were in. They were plus money. Jays minus 145, lead going in. And, uh, man, that's a disappointing, depressing way to lose a game, Reem. And, you know, part of it, I think, was a bit on Charlie Montoria having nobody up in the pen at all. By the time they got Castro out, the game was pretty much done. My brother has been texting me about uh, Chatwood for, like, weeks. He picked him up in fantasy. I guess he had a couple of good starts and has not been able to put it, to get, put it together. So I definitely heard about that one. Um, that one yesterday. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, Hus, before we go, it just came out during the show. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, French Open taking place this week. And the big news last week, you know, leading up to it was Naomi Osaka, who said she wasn't going to do media. Uh, you know, it has been affecting her mental health. She doesn't like asking questions or answering questions after a loss. She doesn't feel as confident. It kind of has affected her game. And so she said, hey, you know what? I'll I'll pay the fine. I have a lot of money. 15k, not a big deal. So she won. She got fined 15k. And then I saw some of the other tournaments were thinking about you know having sanctions against her for not fulfilling her obligations. Well, today during the show, I think we were talking to Dave or um, Mo. She announced that she was withdrawing from the tournament. And um, I'm curious. Now, did she say why? She didn't want to be a distraction. Uh, I've been doing this, so I haven't seen, but she said she yeah. d- didn't want to be a distraction to the tournament anymore. And uh, I guess she was going to reevaluate some mental, mental health. So I just, this is something I think we're going to have to keep an eye on because, you know, pl- you know, following hockey, these guys are doing these press conferences all the time. It, a lot of the other players are saying, you know, it's just part of the job. You have to deal with it. But I guess it, it speaks to in 2021. Where you know you have so many different media sources, you know people have their own Twitter accounts and Instagram to promote the game. Is that effective? Uh, you know, is that do you really need to be doing those anymore? Do you need to be answering these type of questions? And also, I think there's a mental health aspect where is it affecting these people having to answer these questions? And you know, does she feel that was affecting her performance? And should we you know give her some slack? And then where does it lead to? So uh, I think the promoters and the athletes are gonna have to you know find a, a common ground here. But she said. She is done. And I, I, this story I find very interesting. Yeah, no, I do too. And I did not talk about this last week because I did want to get a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. And even right now with this sort of breaking, uh, you know, I'm not sure what her situation is. Um, she's had some very interesting interviews in the past. She's an interesting yeah. person with a very interesting background. Um, so I don't want to cast any aspersions on it. But I will say this. At, you know, when it all comes down to it, it's part of the job. I mean, if you're one of the top players in the world, I mean, the reason why you are paid what you are paid right now is because this game has been grown by exposing players, you know, much like every other sport. And you know what, if you, if you can't handle that part of it, um, 
you know, unfortunately, it, it's a big, very important part uh, of it. Not to mention, you've got sponsors. I mean, someone like, you know, Osaka, I believe, is the highest paid tennis player, or at least on the female side right now. I mean, how do you think Nike feels about her just, you know, you know, moving on? Now, again, I hope that everything is okay with her. I mean, she has cited mental health, and it's something like, originally when she put out the statement, it was sort of like it wasn't for her, it was for everybody else. And because she's one of the top players, she was going to set an example or help people out for it. But, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that has worked out, and now she's out of the yeah. tournament right now. So, yeah, she's... Um, she's- I got the there statement. are parts of some jobs where, you know, you don't like every single part of the job. And, um, you know, listen, if someone's really going through, you know, some problems with their mental health, you know, maybe they shouldn't be playing. Maybe they should be going and getting help right now. And maybe that's exactly what she's done. I think she's a brilliant player. I've loved watching her. I'm a big, big tennis fan, and she is absolutely phenomenal. But, I mean, I don't know. I did a bit of a side eye, to be honest, when I first heard her announcement that she wasn't doing press um, because... I think that she's benefiting right now in a huge way from all the people that came before her growing and exposing the game through doing press. And um, and it's important that they go forward if they want to keep it. You know, Listen, no one's going to lose any sleep if we don't talk about women's tennis here for a while. And, you know, athletes like Osaka need more exposure, not less, if we want to, you know, close the gap between men's and women's sports right now. So I don't know. I, I, I guess I have mixed feelings on it. But first and foremost, I hope that she is fine. Her headspace is good. And uh, bottom line, hopefully we'll see Naomi Osaka back on the field and hearing from her because she's an incredibly endearing, interesting personality. That's great for the sport, but you know, if she doesn't want to communicate with everyone, doesn't really help her case, I think, or tennis, but first and foremost, you got to take care of yourself. And it sounds like that has been the case. Well, uh, interesting to see what comes out of this decision today. Um, The other big news, unfortunately uh, coming out of the French open was uh, Bianca Andreescu getting bounced in the first round of over a three-hour marathon match. She's had a lot of injuries lately, but I think a lot of people hope that she'd be back ready to go. And obviously it's taken a bit of a toll, as I don't think she's been able to train or practice as much as she would have liked, but did want to give it a go at one of the big Grand Slams. Yeah, she, I know since she won that U.S. Open, she's battled injuries. I remember I was supposed to go see her last year at um, Indian Wells, and obviously that tournament got canceled, but I think she wasn't going to even play in it anyways. And even since then, she's like made it back a bit, but she hasn't. I don't think she's uh, recovered fully. So, um, you know, we're following her. We're trying to keep an eye on it, and hopefully she can return to be uh, 100% the player that we know uh, we know she can be. But uh, yeah, bounced early here after what you said three hour match. It was yeah, six. I think it was three hours and twenty one minutes, yeah. which for a three set women's match is incredibly rare. But that's part of the game at the French Open. They sometimes go on. Just looking at some of these comments, um, what does Gregory have to say? Disagree. Brian Burke has documented some professional athletes are introverts. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that's there's all sorts of different. And bus split mental health trumps a dumb game. Listen, this is a job. It's not just a dumb game. I mean. Uh, guys, I hate to say it, but I mean, I would imagine that all of you have challenges in some of your professional lives that sometimes, you know, drive can drive you nuts, <laughs> give you problems. Um, and, you know, you know just not, not everything is 100% the way you like it all the time. And listen, if it is problematic, if it's causing, 
you know, mental health issues or something like that, you know, you take care of it, but often would mean changing jobs or going and doing something else. Like if you want to be a world-class athlete that benefits from, you know, the, all the money and the exposure of a position, there are some things that are expected of you. And, you know, like we've heard from some of these other tournaments, I mean, do they want to be getting like, think about selling a tournament. You're going to get a million dollars from a sponsor to come in and have these world-class players there. And then they're just going to come in and play and leave and not engage with fans or sponsors or anything like that. Well, all of a sudden that makes what they're spending a lot less valuable. And guess what? That's where the prize money comes from. So it's a much bigger question on this. Uh, but I will say Naomi Osaka is, has done some incredible things for women uh, in sports, for women in tennis right now. And I will say the fact that she's doing this is certainly leading to a lot of conversation and discussion about it. And like, I don't think that press responsibilities are ever going to go anywhere um, in professional sports and especially in individual sport like tennis. And to be honest, I don't think many of the athletes actually want that. I think more of them probably want more press as opposed to no press. But again, when you have someone that is this influential, that is pulled out of a tournament dealing with this, um, you know, there might be a way to make it better for the players, but there's never going to be any substitute for fans and the public hearing from the athletes that they are cheering for, they're investing in, and, um, you know, Osako was one of the biggest stars in the sport, and, you know, I, I don't think that she's going to be able to go forward um, just going out playing tennis and never talking to anyone, or or listen, if it if she does, um, it's going to cost her a lot of money, both when it comes to fines and not fulfilling what the players are expected to do, but also when it comes to um, to sponsorship, because you know it really does limit the value that sponsors are getting from what they're paying you if you don't want to interact at all with the public, and um, that'll be an interesting. But anyways, uh, the big story tonight is Game Seven. Leafs and Habs. Uh, folks, before we go, if you're with us in the chat, hit us up. Just put Leafs or Habs if you want to throw in a score. We'll see who the uh, the true Kreskin of the group is tomorrow when we can go back and do that. And uh, Reem, I, I guess we've been speaking so much about this uh, Montreal game. I should mention that um, there's, there's actually another, another game, game on that tonight. <laughs> yeah, game two between the Islers, Islanders and Boston. And the Islanders plus 170 on the road, Boston minus 196. I'm a big Islander guy. I hate the Bruins, to be perfectly honest. I'm looking for any reason to jump on the Islanders right now. But I got to tell you, the way the Bruins have looked really since losing game one to the Caps in OT has made me uh, not very optimistic for Barry Trotz's squad as much as I probably will back them tonight, thinking that they probably provide a bit of value and a hope that we get a great series and potentially the Islanders moving on to the final four. Yeah, Barry Trotz, he's done it before. He's, you know, consistently taken teams. And as you like to say, it has squat squeezed the most juice out of them. Is that is yeah. that what you've said before? So I agree. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, take the Islanders as the underdog if you want the value uh, value there. I do like to look at um, Dom's projections at the uh, at the Athletic. He has the the what's it called the Bruins what sixty eight percent favorite here. Interesting enough, he had uh, the Leafs. He didn't put a number. He just wrote cursed under it. So uh, that's uh, that's what's going on for tonight. So maybe you know maybe uh, the Islanders can tie this up and we'll have a nice uh, long series. Hey, uh, Antoine Patton says hello from Louisiana. What's up, Antoine? 
Welcome to the program. Always great to, uh, I know we've got lots of folks here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, lots of hockey fans though, around North America and even around the world. I know we got Wayne up in Norway. We had the guys from Columbia before and uh, now a little, I can't wait to get back to Louisiana. In fact, had one of the most fun weeks of my life down there for the Super Bowl in New Orleans and I've always wanted to get back. And at some point, we'll be able to do exactly that, but it's going to take a little bit of uh, a little bit of time. And man, Remo, again for everyone that's with us tomorrow, massive show. We will know who wins, who won Game Seven. We will know where the Jets are playing on Finally. Wednesday, whether it's in Toronto or Winnipeg. We will know the matchup. We'll talk about it. We'll get the latest on the Jets scene with Mike McIntyre. Get his thoughts, and then for the first time ever. Uh, we're going to have Nick Kiprios on. I've talked to Nick, you know, at times just at rinks and whatnot, but I've never had him on the program. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. No bad. Like, it's a perfect time to have Nick on. Break down game seven, what happened, and then get his thoughts on uh, the long-awaited final matchup in the Canadian division of best of seven getting going on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finally. Like, we're going to have uh, Jets games. I mean, I'm going to be honest, this week has kind of been great. For us, we got to have uh, Paul Maurice and Mark Shifley on the show last week. And if you are new here, you don't know that we had them. Uh, you know, check out the channel. They are, they are. You can, they haven't expired yet because we're still kind of just celebrating yeah. this this round one sweep of Edmonton. So we will know the opponent. We will know where it is. We do know the, they announced the schedule over the weekend. We haven't really touched on it. It's kind of the same schedule the Jets had for round one. I posted on our Facebook page. Someone commented, "This is a familiar looking schedule." I like it with the Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday doubleheader. Uh, no Saturday games for TV. We do have no more 9 o'clock starts, no more 8.45 starts, 8 o'clock starts. All great start times, nice and early. So if we do go to five overtimes, you know, it won't be ending at, what, 1 a.m.? It might end. Yeah, it's certainly like, better for the IC guys and for Kenny and Rennie. I mean, I'm yeah. always here for an 8 o'clock start yeah. or even a 9 o'clock start. Love, and you know what? Too. I actually, I love the fact that, you know, like, I don't care about the history of Saturday night hockey night in Canada. In fact, I think I would prefer a Friday night game to get things going on the weekend. Saturday, kind of do your thing, go outside, whatever, and then finishing up the weekend with Sunday's game, heading right into Monday. So that is what we're going to do tomorrow on this program. We break down game seven. We take a look at the Jets going into the round two series. We're going to set it up with Mike McIntyre and with Nick Kiprios working on some more great guests for later on this week once we know who the Jets' opponent is. And, um, and yeah, and then it's go time again, Remus. And I, it feels like we've just been in pause for the past week. It was so bizarre with all that hockey and the three games and four nights and all that overtime. And now it's just sort of been Groundhog Day for the past week. We got to do it for two more days. But there is, in fact, hockey coming up today. We speak about the anniversary, 10 years from the team coming back. But it is back to business for the Winnipeg Jets, who practice today, will practice tomorrow, potentially travel tomorrow, and then get at it. Game number one, whether it's in Winnipeg or Toronto, on Wednesday night. And a uh, little bit of catching up for the North Division to do as well, as uh, all the other series will be at least two games in. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of complaints about that in chat. Um, you know what, this season's weird. I have no problem with them starting You know, another round. NBA's been doing that for a while. Hockey usually waits for everyone to catch up, but again... I think this just goes back to that finishing those Calgary Vancouver games and just like let they should have just led when I mean it was pretty clear at the time like who cares about finishing the north let you know Winnipeg Edmonton start let Cal- Toronto Montreal start like no one's going to care about the Vancouver Calgary end of season games uh because the playoffs are gone no one's going to care about them because they don't mean anything 
They're basically uh, hold on a second. Meetings. I needed four points from Quinn Hughes. They meant a lot to some of us. <laughs> I needed. I finished two damn points short at the end of the season. Okay, <laughs> only for gambling. <laughs> gambling and fantasy is why people yeah, will care. Yeah, the economic engine of this entire industry. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, I mean you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but. And I saw Mike McIntyre tweeting about this. Maybe he can weigh in tomorrow. But they should have. I mean, having to you know reschedule because you're waiting for this. Like I don't. I don't understand what the what the point was there. You could still could have still had the North Division games and have those games in the afternoon. So whatever. We're gonna have another back to back. I think honestly, I think the Jets are gonna be at a huge advantage over whatever team they play with this week off. And the other team just going through what Paul a grinder of a schedule, um, you know, since the end, you know, since the regular season, no days off, going seven games. I think the Jets are going to be rested, maybe rusty for the first like ten minutes of the first game, but I think over the long run in that series, it's going to be a benefit to them. Well, no game tomorrow for the Jets, but at least we'll know who the damn opponent will be, and we'll be all over it tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, before we go, um, you know, do want to thank our sponsors, especially our newest sponsor, Policy Me, which is an online life insurance uh, life insurance company that allows Canadians to buy life insurance in minutes, a hundred percent online and at the most affordable price. Check them out, PolicyMe.com. Very simple, very fast. Takes. Uh, you know, it takes the pain in the ass level of the entire process down to absolute minimum. And uh, when you're on the site and they ask you where you heard about them, make sure you tick uh, podcast um, when they uh, when they ask you that. That's a big, big help to us. Policyme.com. And, of course, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky TQ Group. Check out that drumstick blizzard. You will not, you will not be sorry. Little Brown Jug. Home delivery, hot, getting hot this week. Assiniboia Downs, may my bets win tonight against Remus. Breezy Bend, CoolBet.com, and of course, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Folks, great to see so many of you today. We are just getting started this week tomorrow. Mike McIntyre, Nick Kiprios setting up round two between the Jets and the winner of tonight's Game 7 between the Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Thanks again to MoCon. Thanks to Dave McCarthy. Thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day today. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks very much. Spread the word. And um, again, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast feed is. And of course, if you're with us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and join us every day here at 1 o'clock. Enjoy Game 7 tonight, gang. See you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 